Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we are going to be discussing willful sinning. Yeah, presumptuous sin in Old Testament terminology. Yeah. And what is the significance of it? What? <sighs> I think it's evidential. Is that a word? Evidential? I, if it isn't, it is today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this sin, we're saved by grace. We know that. We're going to really establish that. We're saved forever eternally. We're going to, you know, all that's part of the deal. But right. the evidence yeah. that we've been saved by grace, not by works, mm-hmm. is sort of our works. Right. And um, when Christ comes into our heart, it changes things. Our relationship with sin changes. It's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. And if it doesn't, which we're sort of our topic today, right? if it doesn't, then maybe things aren't really the way they should be. Not everybody who saith unto me shall enter the kingdom yeah, of God, but yeah. he that doeth the will All of my father. Come on, finish my sentence for me, dude. You could not have everyone a, who could have says, got a point, John, and yeah. you didn't. I had to finish it. I blew it. Okay. Not everyone who says another, to me, "Lord, Lord." There you go. I got you. <laughs> I'll give you another chance later. Just be on top of things here. <laughs> My brain went. I Time to go up. home. <laughs> this is this is a huge importance topic. I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. And as we open this up today, uh, the the reason that we're doing this is because, and and I'm actually going to have a, a follow up. We're going to do a follow up. Uh, can you lose your salvation? Yeah, they're they're directly tied together. And I think that here's the biggest thing, and this is why we're doing it. And you and I were discussing this earlier. How many in the church are saved today or born again? Like at what percentage? And 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 I said that if you were to go back 30 years ago or 40 years ago, you'd probably had 50, 50, 50 people, 50% saved, 50% lost in the church. I pondered that through the years because of what Jesus said, not everybody who said that unto me. And, um, the Bible talks about working out your own salvation. Mm-hmm. We don't, our salvation is not as gained by our works. We know that, right? but the, ev- that's why I came up with that word evidential. The evidence that we truly have been saved is perseverance. It's one of the great doctrines of the faith, the perseverance of the saints. If you really are saved, you really, really will change. You really will have a pattern of good works. Right. You really will have victory, not over every sin. You know, we're, we continue to kind of, you know. But at least you'll, at least you will have a desire to control that sin or, or, you know, you have an understanding that you need to control that sin, and then you start backing up on it. Yeah, we stay in battle constantly Constant. in the world, the flesh, the devil. Uh, you know, less the flesh, less the eyes, pride of life. We're constantly in that battle. But, you know, there has to be some kind of evidence that uh, we've been changed. Right. You know, people say, oh, I'm saved, and there's no evidence. I think the the evidence, I think that— well, well, the Scripture, scripture yeah. says you'll know them by their fruit, and if there's no godly fruit, are you— Saved. Yeah. So this has kind of been an angst of the church throughout the mm-hmm. centuries. But as we enter into these last days where things get darker, uh, there is a little bit of a price to pay today right. to walk with Christ compared to, say, 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. This COVID thing is bringing out a lot. Are we really going to be willing to pay a price for our walk with Christ? There, that's a big question, right? It's because. You are going to have, we are, we in America, in America, we are coming to a point where 
if you say you love Jesus, you're going to have to show it and prove it. And we've lived in a bubble of blessing in America. Oh, we have. Church with uh, tax-exempt status, which I think is going to be slipping away soon. Not slipping, taken. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're talking about it now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and not only that, but if, if they take away tax-exempt status, most churches could never afford to stay open. They know this. And so they get to take the property, shut the buildings down, and then there's no more church. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's their goal. Well, they think there'll be no more church. Yeah. But some of us <laughs> are a little bit more militant and uh, a little bit more maverick. And uh, when they say we can't, uh, they fire us up. We'll find a place to meet yeah. in the midnight hour. It don't matter. In the wilderness, in the snow. We love Jesus. We're going to get yeah. together in his name. Yeah. And Up on top of a mountain where nobody else is. You never know, brother. <laughs> you never you know. just never know. You just never know. So, <laughs> But what a topic, and especially in the hour we're in now, it, yeah. it's that, that bubble of blessing and protection in North American church has burst. Yeah. I've, it's no longer here. I think you're right. I wish um, I wasn't right. Before we go into prayer, I want to bring out this one other thing that we were talking about. Because I said, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the church was probably 50-50 on saved those who were in the church that were saved today i said 70 30 being 70 percent lost 30 percent saved you actually said 80 20 or did i mistake in that the 80 20 i was thinking maybe five years ago i would have thought that it's something that all pastors Right. We, we wonder about because we love yeah. our flock. We sure, want everybody sure. to go to heaven. And so at, uh, what percentage do you think, and maybe I misunderstood you earlier, what percentage of the church today do you think is, is saved? Boy, I don't know. I'd say 50-50. But the, uh, the thing that I see is those that grew up in the church. Now, you mm-hmm. and I came in out of, the, out of the jungle, you know. The, so we had that radical conversion. Right. But yeah, unmistakable up, for us. Yeah, the world... I've been in the world and it, it stunk and it stung and it hurt and it and I it was so glad to get out of it, delivered out of it. But the people have never really been in the world and never really been delivered out of the world. And it, I just kind of wonder. So many people that grew up in my church under my preaching and I gave everything I had. And there was times when they gave evidence of of a life change and uh, you know. But then you begin to watch the patterns that unfold. It's like. I don't see spirituality. I don't see right. spiritual discernment. The devil gives them a cup of uh, Kool-Aid, and they and they gone. Tra- they just drink it, and then it's like there's no evidence of biblical discernment at all, and it troubles me. I can't fix it, and I know everybody stands before God in their own shoes, but as a pastor. It's scary. It right. hurts me because I want everybody to walk in victory. I think the church as a whole is way less than 50-50. I'm afraid you're right, and I hope we're wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's just scary, especially now. In Second Thessalonians, right. the whole chapter given to prophetic about the end-time scenario. It, it gets about halfway through that chapter. We have the rise of the Antichrist and the sequence, when how he unfolds. But at the beginning of the chapter, it says, just prior to the rise of the Antichrist, there'll be a falling away first. As Satan tightens his grip, you'll see people... Uh, falling away from a profession of right. faith in Christ, and we're we're seeing, we're seeing people walk away and not going back to the church when there is a price to pay. You right. know, when Jesus gave free lunch, five thousand, <laughs> only counted the men, twenty five thousand right. in, in reality, counting the kid, wives and kids. Yeah, if you count the wives and kids, but how many were in the upper room waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit? Only a hundred and twenty. 
there might be a message in us for that. But the purpose of our broadcast here today is broadcast or yeah. podcast podcast <laughs> is to just kind of maybe uh, we just call it a show. <laughs> the purpose for today's show <laughs> is, is to, to tell you to stop sinning willfully. No I'm kidding. Well, it is. <laughs> it is. It but is. it's also for those of you who are trying so hard and you're watching mm-hmm. things that are confusing, and it brings me back to that Dukeism. Don't let people mess you up about God. You know the rest of it? Yeah, let God fix you about people. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you get your point back for that, Johnny. <laughs> so let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get on this because some of these verses, too, are also going to challenge you in your theology because you might think this passage means something that it doesn't mean, and we're going to bring clarity to that as well. Brother, if you will open us in prayer, uh, please. Help us, Lord, to uh, rightly divide your word, share it with love and strength and conviction. May the listeners receive your word willfully and be strengthened to stand for you in difficult days. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, our, our text that we're going to start out with today is Hebrews ten twenty six. It says this, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Verse 27 goes on and says, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. As we look into this passage, some will say, oh, well, this is how you lose your salvation. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit, not, not in great depth, but we're going we're gonna to show you that this isn't for those who are saved and if they keep sinning, they lose their salvation. Uh, this is really about apostasy about a walking away. In Hebrews, there is usually uh, uh, or often found in Hebrews five warning passages. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 says this, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And so this is a plea, if you will, a warning passage to stay in there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? We need saved or else we will not escape the coming wrath of God that we read about in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I think of the passage I, also in Hebrews where it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? They've spurned beneath our feet the precious blood of Jesus. It's people, I guess, that maybe talk the talk. And didn't walk the walk. Yeah, Absolutely. So now we have Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So there's another warning passage. Listen, God will convict you. God will. And here's the thing. Okay. So here's the thing about the word of God convicts us to do what's right. It shows us where we are wrong. And then it's also what God's going to use to hold us accountable 
in the day, and that is verse 13. There's no creature hidden from God's sight. God sees all, will deal with everyone and everyone's sin. All things are naked and open. Naked being you can't hide it. Open being it's going to be clearly seen to the eyes of God to whom we must give account. And him is actually Jesus. Well, I mean, it's God, but Jesus is the judge. So it's, it's really going to be to Jesus who's going to judge us. It's a warning passage. You can't sin and hide it, and you'll give an account for it. As I'm putting together all these, or you put together all these uh, warning verses, it kind of comes to me that God is joining in the net to show there's a lot of people that aren't in they're not in and and, and this, this these passages the yeah yeah these passages are very specific to the jews yeah, uh, and for sure yeah. and and saying listen each of these warning passages speaks about one who apostatizes or turns from the gospel of jesus christ these are warnings to the hebrew or or, or the the hebrews that he's talking to the jews but they apply to us as well. Oh, sure. Yeah, they were the Hebrew Christians, kind of that first generation of Christians that got saved out of Judaism, got persecuted, and uh, now they're the the pressures amped up a little mm -hmm. bit through uh, the pressures through, amped up a lot through persecution. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, th this is an era when they're throwing Christians to the lions in the Colosseum in Rome. This is when Nero is burning Rome, parts of, of the city, and blaming it on Christians. This is the time when the Christians, their their Lord's Supper, are they're considered cannibals because take eat this is my body, right? This is my blood, drink it, yeah. And so they're persecuted. So I'm not underestimating the pressure that these people are under, but it's manifesting that maybe some people just kind of went along with the program and didn't really enter into. You see, if the covenant if you're relationship, saved, if you're not really saved, you don't have any power. Except your own, and that ain't gonna that ain't gonna make it. No, that that'll go downhill pretty quick, real fast. Uh, Hebrews six four through eight. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. This is for, this is a warning to the unsaved that says you sat under, you witnessed, you heard all the goodness of God you, you have seen it or witnessed it in those around you, and then you reject it. I'd interject this thought. I think included with that is that there was a time when there was some kind of a profession. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, that's what I believe. Yep. But really? I think that's really God's message here. We're saying, look. Well, we I read about it strange. in the seed of the, the the sower or the seed. Yeah, you want to bring that in right now? This yeah, is, let's let's go down here and grab that passage. Ahead. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> Sorry, John. Let's do what we never do. <laughs> Fly by the seat of our pants. It's um, easy for me. He needs. He needs I know, right? Sometimes I'm like, uh, yeah, we Pretty don't close. get out of line. But Matthew 
chapter 13 is when it talks about that. And Jesus picks up in verse three, it says, then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, and, and I love the word behold, because that is, let me get your attention. Yeah, stop dead in your tracks and listen. listen. Yeah. Behold, when you, when you read that in scripture, understand there's something important coming. Yeah. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. That goes back to Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, right? They had no depth of earth. Verse 6, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but Others fell on good ground, yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 8 is salvation. All the rest are Matthew 6, 4 through 8. They hear the, the word and falsely grab hold of it. And then when the pressure of the world comes, they fall away. It's gone. I... This is in three of the Gospels, or is it four? Three. Three, the Synoptic Gospels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm three. pretty positive it's only three. I think you're right. But that that's a statement. God put this in the Bible three times. And yeah. it's been debated over the years. Uh, but it, it, what it is is a clear warning, and it's an explanation. God's trying to explain to those who are really trying to figure stuff out that there's a spiritual battle going on here. Satan takes away the seed. Uh, The world chokes out the seed, uh, the cares of the world and persecution. And then, and and the sun, the sun destroys it being that because you're exposed. Yeah. There's no root. You're exposed and, and you go away. In Matthew 3, 18, Jesus defines the parable. And Thank it says you, here, yeah, right, verse, because <laughs> they're like, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? In verse 18, he says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Now, in the the debate over this this parable, there's no debate over this section. There's, right. there's no life there. There's no salvation. This right. seed died. There's no fruit. It didn't live. It was gone. Well, they they heard. They didn't understand. They didn't bother it to never learn. Entered in. It never entered he knocked, in. They didn't open. Right. There's no change. Now, the next part's where there's a little bit of a human controversy. and uh, But regardless of what the human controversy where somebody lands on where life is or isn't, are they really saved or isn't, Here's the key. It's God's explaining and God's warning. Right. That is crystal clear. And that, that's the key. Like God says, hey, listen up and behold, <laughs> you need there to you listen, go. right? Yeah. Uh, verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I see this as someone who comes in and they're like, 
oh, I really like the feeling of this place. I really, oh, this this social, I don't, you know, this is uh, a social I piece. so that, welcome. Yeah, so welcome. And then, yeah, I want, I want what they have because of the feeling, not because of the truth, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I've, then, and then when pressure comes on, they're like, oh, that ain't me <laughs> because that feeling is gone. Now, I don't understand what I'm going to say here, but I'm quoting the controversy in the theological arena about here. Some would say, well, there was the plant, cons- uh, what do you call it, where the, it, ger- it germinated. germinated. It germinated, and that's life. It started to grow, but then it, it declined. So some would say, well, they're saved, but they never bore fruit. That's one argument, and I honestly don't know at what well, point. Well, here's, the, here's my thing, though. I think Jesus clarifies it in verse 21. Yet he has no root in himself, right? Oh, I think that himself rather than Christ self, that might be. There's no root. There's there's no there's nothing there to germinate. Well, I think it already germinated at that point. It just it it didn't take root. And I garden all the time. I right. see stuff. It starts to grow and it's right. gone, and it didn't bear any fruit. Right. So uh, so maybe as he has no root in himself or um no beginning of Christ is yeah, as, as a pastor, I would hope those people are saved, but right. I don't have any confidence. I don't, yeah, I don't exactly, that's a great way to put it. And I'm not to judge, right? But I right. know something's wrong. Well, but here's the thing. There's, there's, there's one here that Jesus clearly talks about salvation and the rest are so questionable. Are they really, is there really any salvation in it? Mm-hmm. Verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Is that your, is that your, is that the Christian that Jude talks about that you get in just by fire? Again, I I would hope they get in, but it's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Right. Uh, you know, I've, I'm a huge gardener and I grow as much of my food as possible. And, it, you know, I grow a, a, a corn plant, I'm thinking of this, and it, it germinated and it kind of grew and I did all the work and I fertilized it and I watered. I did everything I needed to do and the thing grew up and it never, nothing germinated. It just was a corn stalk. Right. So disappointing. Right. It, it didn't produce any corn. So was it a corn? St- it didn't produce fruit. And that's sad. I did all that work. You know, Christ died sort of for for people who reject him he his death was in vain they spurned beneath their feet the precious blood of jesus and they we it's very clear in scripture right. that uh it ain't going to be happy eternity for them yeah as and then verse 23 says but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred some 60 some 30 i think that's less complicated than the others and um uh, to me, those people are all in. I see every one of those as believers, and I know, I know pastors that are very godly, uh, very faithful, very loyal, love their flock, faithful to the Word of God, and they give their whole life. Their church never grows past fifty. Right. And I've seen guys who who are pastors who build churches to a, a thousand or two or three thousand that wind up kind of living for self and not and not not finishing well. Right. And so. 
God is the ultimate judge of all this. People confuse us by their behavior. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. He shed his blood for the atonement of our sin. We're saved uh, by faith or by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by the works of righteousness we do. But if that really did happen, right, there should be some ongoing evidence that there's been a change. And so when it kind of grows for a while and it's choked out or it has no root and it's it's gone, there's no fruit. Uh, was that salvation? Was that life? I I, so, I, just want, I I don't I don't I don't think so. Yeah. So I, I just pulled this up for uh, for clarity. I pulled up some commentaries. So as in Jesus' interpretation of the parable of the sower, he compared the four results of sowing to four responses to the kingdom message. This was the message preached by John, Jesus, and the apostles. First, when one hears the message but does not understand it, the devil snatches away the word that was sown, the seed sown on the path. The next two results represented by seed on rocky places that had no root and by seed among the thorns that choked it out spoke of hearers' initial interest, but with no genuine heartfelt response. The seed on rocky soil speaks of a person who hears the word but falls away when he faces trouble for having expressed interest in the word. Only the seed that fell on good soil had an abiding result and the production of a crop that increased. So according to this, the only one that actually got saved was the good soil. I kind of lean that way too. I do. Excuse me. Sometimes my hope goes maybe extended. It doesn't really matter what I think. Right. It really doesn't matter what I think or what my hopes are, but it is clearly a warning. It's clearly an explanation that uh, we need to take our soil very seriously. Yeah, because if you look in the in the first one, he snatched away, quickly snatched away by Satan. The second one, there's no root, there's nothing to to show that the seed was actually planted, right? The third one is quickly taken into the world and leaves the word of God behind. Mm-hmm. And the only one that shows security in Christ, which by the way, takes us to Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's, he's a, a new creature. Old the, things are passed away; all things are become new. The only one that we see new creature in is the one that receives seed on good ground. The rest of them remained the same as before they received the word. Mm-hmm. Which is a little religious experience, it, I think. So, so, so when we look at this and we start comparing it, uh, I think the church is a lot of the first three. Yeah, and very little of the fourth. I guess I'm in a little bit in a discouraged state right now in reference to the Church of Jesus because I'm seeing what the prophets said right. would happen. I'm watching it happen, and it's fleshing out with people that I know their names, and I, I love these people. Yeah, I've seen them make professions, and yet there's no fruit today. There's none. And it as a pastor, it breaks my heart. Yeah. And and some keep hanging in the church and never have fruit. I think they're there for the social aspect. Mm-hmm. I don't believe they're saved. And you can say, well, you can't judge me. You're absolutely right. It's Almost. Not matter, it's not a matter of judgment. It's a matter of perception. God By says. you shall know them. It's, it's evi- uh, hello. evidential. See, there's that word. It's evidential. It's evidential. I know I'd work that in again. <laughs> I like that. It's a new word for me. 
You're going to use it too, John. I'm going to pound it in your head. You're going to be quoting. Your people are going to say, it's evidential. Duke is evidential. The the latest thing I've been doing is apparently (laughs) holding on the last syllable. (laughs) Apparently it's evidential. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Stop it. Let's go to Hebrews 10, 26 through 31, which we started out on 26. And it says this. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. The reason that he brings in Moses' law is because he, remember, he's talking to the lost Jews. And even Jesus said, hey, other than, uh, I'm going to hold you guilty by Moses because I'm, I'm, my father's not even going to convict you. You say you believe Moses. Well, M- Moses says he believes in me. Remember, we did that podcast yeah, on yeah. Uh, Jews and Christians. Do they serve the same God? Well, here you have the, uh, the author of Hebrews doing the exact same thing. Let me bring up Moses mm-hmm. because Moses points to Christ clearly, and yet you reject Moses' law and therefore you die without mercy being without Christ. This um, topic, very serious, and it needs yeah. to be addressed. Absolutely. There's a whole bunch in the Bible on this because God wants people to be saved. He wants them to be secure, to know that they're saved, and to show right. that they're saved. And Are they saved if there's no fruit? Are they saved if they never show it? Are they saved if they're like, well, I sh- I'm shy and I can't I said talk the about prayer, it? Yeah. But no evidence. Uh, and and by the way, the prayer does not save you. Let me help you here. And and I do this every week. I, I'm like, hey, if you if you want to surrender to Christ, pray this prayer. But then I say this. The prayer is not magical. The words are not magical. The difference is in your heart, you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The prayer is a roadmap to walk you through it so you have a time stamp of the day you surrendered to Christ. Yeah. There's a day you were physically born and time and same. Spirit. A day that you consciously made a decision to, yeah. to, and I have people record that date, write it in their Bible. Absolutely. Yeah. This, this thing here brings me up because we can, you know, Paul said, if I say that I have no sin, I, or John, first John, if I say I have no sin, I deceive myself. And the truth is not in me. So as a Christian, I'm not perfect. Right. And a Christian, I'm in an everyday battle against the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And there's two different words here that I think help clarify. Here we have the word presumptuous sin. We presume we're planning to do that. Like in the, in the old Testament law, there is capital punishment for first-degree murder, intentional, presumptuous. I hate him, you know, mm-hmm. Cain killing Abel. You know, uh, I, I hate him. He thinks he he worships God his way, and I got to do it his way. And it wasn't Abel that said that. It was, it was God, God who yeah. Said that. But he got angry, and he killed him. Of course, we know Satan's behind that. Satan's the father of all lies, a murderer from the beginning. But it was presumptuous in the law of Moses when it was first-degree murder. It was presumptuous capital punishment. Then there was provision made for manslaughter. It wasn't presumptuous. There was an anger of moment. Guys got into a fight, and one guy uh, hits a guy with a good right. He falls, hits his head on a rock. He's dead, okay? The guy didn't wake up in the morning planning that. It wasn't presumptuous, but the guy's still dead. Right. And so there's a difference between presumptuous sin and besetting sin. And sometimes I think Satan tries to take, you know, people who are struggling to try to do the right thing and they fall 
and just uh, he's accuser of the brethren and put them on such a guilt trip like i'm such a loser as a christian and right. and, I, yeah. and then they then he he kind of defeats them mentally right. by guilt god sends conviction to get us to do right to stop us from doing wrong satan sends guilt to make us feel like a loser when we're in the battle we just need to man up confess our sin that this would be our uh, besetting sin first john one if if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive right. our sins and forgive us from all unrighteousness when we come to the lord with a broken heart confess our sin and turn from it now i know there's still that propensity that we have in our flesh still have that propensity lust of flesh lust of the eyes pride of life but that's a battle that we're in and that's the really neat part of this walk with Christ, because as we wake up in the morning, we turn to him, we have our devotions, we empty of self, we confess, we pray for help, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He does, and we walk in victory. So there's somewhere, there, like that clutch in the car, the gas and the clutch, right. somewhere there's presumptuous sin, and boy, the warning for that is there. And then there's that, that besetting sin where we're you know, agonized. Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended, neither were already perfect, but this one thing I do. Uh, forgetting those things which are past, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we have that, we just have that desire inside of us to not sin. Right. And that's the important part. Yeah, and and here's what people have to realize, that Christians go through that, and we're talking about those who don't have those breaks. Who, yeah, who, yeah, who that, don't, that's a major sign. Yeah, we're, we're talking about those who yeah. don't have the put the brakes on to stop living a lifestyle of the world. To me, that's clarification. Absolutely. Write that down. That's a great point, Johnny. <laughs> Absolutely. Two points. Okay, go on. So here to finish up in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 29, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? How much worse punishment do you suppose will be and then in 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, and this is the thing that people need to get. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. As you're saying that, I feel like I had a little aha moment. It's like the Lord is saying, here's the cross. This is for real. Mm-hmm. When you bow here, when you believe this is the son of God, paying for your sins and you're broken and you he's knocking on the door of your heart you open it uh, you're not gonna be choked out real quick right you're gonna have some evidence and you you talk about this but you don't show it I I think if you don't show it you're not saved I I mean it, it, listen it, if there is no fruit by their fruit, fruit you will what know them. And people are like, oh, I'm saved, and I'm just not interested right now. You're not saved. There's no breaks. There's no. There's nothing to slow you down, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. I'm telling you. And then we can say, well, you're the prodigal son. But, you know, even the prodigal son battled daily. Yeah. And he finally he surrendered. Himself. Absolutely. And he absolutely the right yep. thing. He so still I, lost his inheritance, though. But And you know what, though? He was okay. Yeah. Because he was right. He was right with God. He was right That's with exactly. his family. That's exactly That's right. a redemption story. In Hebrews 12, 25 through 29, this would be the fifth of the five warning passages in Hebrews. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. See, if you notice, every one of these have been about 
warning you to uh, get saved and that you need to be saved. And if you're not saved, you're going to deal with God. And, or God's going to deal with you. <laughs> yeah, that's where the simplicity uh, jumps out each time. 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. The, the people on earth that heard Jesus and denied him are going to pay the same price that we who hear from heaven, being the word of God, and deny him. There's no difference in the price that will be paid. Says, uh, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably at, with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. There are warning upon warnings upon warnings in Hebrews for the lost to not mock God and not think for one moment that they will not face him. And each of these warning passages speaks about the one who apostatizes or turns from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about losing your salvation. It's the fact that you never had it and eventually you just walk away you from made it. a false profession and uh, you just kind of used the cross, put it around your neck, make you feel better and just right. kind of like some kind of a good luck charm. And it's like, no, no, the cross is a, a, is a place of complete change. Well, in, in, in all five of these passages, uh, most people believe that it's, it's speaking of a continuation in sin. But the reality is all these passages name the specific sin, and that is turning away from Jesus. It's apostasy. In every one of these instances, it is talking about apostasy. You who are religious, but you do not have the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that continuation of sin is the sin of apostasy. I'm thinking of a verse. I can't remember the the quotation right now exactly where, but it said it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn to from turn it. from it. But as a sow returns to its wallow and a you know, dog returns to its vomit, so it hath, hath happened unto them. Again, it's it's kind of the same thing here. It's like you profess this, but you live that, and uh, you you were spoken to by the Holy Spirit. You you had explained to you, you profess some things about the cross and yet there's no evidence in your life and right. you're accountable for that. Well, if you pay attention to Hebrews chapter 10, what you will find is in verse 11, right? Or even if you just go to, to verse one, 10, one, and you start, the author of Hebrews keeps telling you, Hey, you know what? We have a God, we have a great high priest, and, and he go, continues on with that. And then in verse 19, uh, well, 18, he says, now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. You know what? It's because Christ is it and only Christ. Verse 19, therefore, brethren, now he's talking very specific to the brethren or the Christian having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to him, is what it is, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And I think the true heart here is the key. 
mm-hmm. having our yeah. right yeah. having our hearts sprinkled from an even evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful let us consider one another let us consider the other christians in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves the christians together but as in manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Then we get into 26. He shows the difference, a clear difference. For if we continually, willfully live in sin after we have received the word of God or the knowledge of truth, and then we walk in apostasy, we walk away from Jesus there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Mm-hmm. You zoomed in on it a moment ago. I'm going to go back to yeah. I think the key here is true heart. True, true heart. Yeah. Satan always has the ability to make things really complicated. And then as the Holy Spirit begins to fall upon us, he brings us from the complicated back to the simple. I think the Holy Spirit would, would bring all of us back to true heart. That is our, our strong place. That is our safe place as believers mm-hmm. trying to grow in Christ. And we're watching people around us saying one thing and doing another. And people that you looked up to kind of falling away. And they, and I can't believe their behavior. And they said they were Christian. And God says, tune them out. Look to me. Have a true heart. And I just wake up in the morning. I go to the Lord. And I say, God, I'm in over my head. I need you. I have no strength of my own. I just have a pure heart. I worship I think we have to worship our way through un- to understanding. Right. I think we worship our way to understanding. And then we worship our way through the troubled waters. And these waters are troubled today. And mm-hmm. so much more, I would zoom in on that, as you see that day approaching. Right. That day is approaching. You are seeing real Christians drawing closer to God in these yeah, last days. That's a that's a good thing. You're, you're seeing it. Yeah. I've seen my seniors class on Wednesday mornings, I got some senior saints. These people love God. Right. They're like, heaven doesn't scare me. <laughs> it's like, well, if you come to church, and, you know, and somebody's unmasked and you you get COVID, they're like, COVID so? doesn't scare me. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? I have so, eternal life. I'm old. My body's falling apart. I've walked yeah. with God for 40 years. He's blessed me. Hate, you know, the day of my death is it's appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment, mm-hmm. my, my, when he's ready to take me home, I'm ready to go. My yeah. seniors are godly. And I'm telling you, they're standing up and they're doing it in a really sweet spirit. My, my youngest brother sent me a shirt that says he had made for me. Jesus is my vaccine. <laughs> Oh, I want one. <laughs> I might I might get more made up, right? Mm. One of the things that we just saw here is Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. That's an interjected warning. But then we pick up in 32, and he starts talking back to the Christian. That's how you know the difference. Recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For... As he goes on, he signifies what 
is the evidence of new life. I love that word illumination, and then he he amplified that. You you got it. There was a change in your life. Yeah, and you and people weren't happy that yep. you got it, and people persecuted because you did get yep. it, and they knew that you were not coming back to them anymore, and they tried to talk you out of it. They couldn't, and then they began to persecute right. you. You had to flee. You walked through all of that. Well, and, and that's what he said. Look, that's what he says in 32. Recall when you were illuminated. Recall when you surrendered to Christ. There was a significant moment in that. Exoteo, the point of origin for which proceeded life. And you were never the same. Uh, you didn't fit into this world well, anymore. Because, because, and that's what he says. You endured a great struggle with sufferings. Why? Because now people are against you. Partly while you were made a spectacle by reproaches and tribulations by other people. And, and these are the people that did get it. That got these it. are the people that weren't choked out. Right. These are the people that that were saved. Root. Yeah, they had had root. They were illuminated, and their life was different. There was fruit there, and even though the only fruit right here was the fact that now you're in a battle. That's your fruit. Yeah. You know, if you weren't saved, it'd be no battle. It'd be you no just battle. Go with the flow. Yeah. Just go with the flow. And and look at this. All of a sudden, here's what changes too. So they had reproaches, they had tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, while you, it was a process of growing and becoming a part of those who were treated the way you're being treated now, you realized where Christ was and you joined even in the suffering. Some of our heroes, some of my seniors, I'm just seeing their faces and you know, they're watching the, the world tighten its grip on them and forcing them into here and tell, scaring them there. And they're like, I got Jesus. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to do the next right thing. And yep. if I, if you cut, if you. Well, here's, here's, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I know our clock is, page, yeah, our, interruption. our <laughs> clock is running <laughs> and, and I want to point something else out here. So not only did they suffer through the tribulations and reproaches by people, but then in verse 34, the author says, for you had compassion on me while I was in chains. All of a sudden, you hated me before when I shared the gospel. Now you love me. You love me. Why? Because I just helped you have eternal life and you saw the value in that. So you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. You know what? This isn't my world. Take that. It's just junk now. Mm -hmm. There was a difference on every level. Material N things. Didn't matter. Our life didn't matter. Knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, don't cast away your confidence. Man, I just pointed out to you all the evidence of your salvation. Don't get caught up in the persecution. Count it all joy. And so when we see this, guys, listen, th this whole warning that of 26 is not for the Christian. It is warning the apostates, which is a willful turning away from the gospel. They hear it, and then they turn away from it. Those people, and it's so unfortunate because it's so much harder to win someone who is in that position. I think you biblically hit the nail on the head. I think that's the answer. Uh, I think the, the mind of the Lord has been made clear here. 
And for us who, who do know Christ, it can be simple. Look to him, love him, worship our way through, and expect right. to see what we're seeing. Right. Don't be shocked by it. Yeah, I um, I just want to point out some verses on how we know that Hebrews, because some people say that that is you can lose your salvation. Well, we know we can't lose our salvation, and there's going to be really not a part two, but a part two <laughs> to this one, and and I'll put them up back to back. But if if you can lose our salvation, then what do we do with these passages, right? Romans eight thirty one through thirty nine. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And that intercession is a constant going in on our behalf because we're now children of, of God's and he's our brother. He's our savior, right? I mean, we're heirs and joint heirs. And then it goes on and it says, who shall separate us in this? I love this. Love it. Mm-hmm. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our, our our lord so if you say well Hebrews is a passage that shows we lose our salvation. Then what do you do with this when in verse 38 and 39, he listed everything that you can possibly list that would separate anybody from anything and says nothing separates us from the love of God. I think Hebrews points out those who aren't in it's and uh, it is the lost. It is the, the, What word did I use earlier? Because it just left me. <laughs> I love to see you draw blanks, Johnny. The apostate. Welcome, welcome to my world. <laughs> it's the apostate. You know, something I've used over the years, I'm not the author of this, but I love it. You know, what did Jesus give to us? Eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Right. If you had eternal life and lost it, you never had eternal life. You never life. had it. Because how could you have forever, forever yeah. if if you didn't have forever if forever didn't exist, you can't have forever, which means then the Bible's a lie. Yeah. And you it's, throw it all out because, listen, I'm telling you, if there's one lie in the Scriptures, it's all a lie. Throw it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you don't know then what's true and what's not true or what's acceptable and not acceptable. So either the entire Word of God is the entire Word of God or is junk. And it is and it is and it is the it's entire Word of God. Absolutely. God cannot lie, Titus chapter 1. So how about this, First Peter 1, 3 through 5, that talks about you can't lose your salvation. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you reservation is made thank you lord who are kept by the power of god through faith 
in Jesus. So for my own strength shining? For salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I thought it was all by my, my own strength. You're <laughs> saying it's God's strength? I believe it's God's strength. I think you're right. How about John 647? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting, everlasting life. You're getting fired up, John. How do you? Because <laughs> these people that teach you can lose salvation is bogus. It's a lie. And it is an attack on God and is mockery to God's word because Jesus himself says, most assuredly, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Everlasting life is not able to be taken away. Yeah. It brings in the perseverance of the saints I brought up early. When you're in, you got strength that those that are out don't have. Right. When the pressure comes up, instead of like being choked out, you suck it up. Right. You kind of the privilege to suffer for his name's sake. That's right. It's an honor. Right. And it's not your strength. It's his. Right. And and, his. and and that's why, and that is exactly why the passage in Hebrews warns of a false convert, not there you go. to the Christian. It's a false convert. And I'm just going to tell you, if you read it in any other way, then you're throwing all these other passages away. You got me all fired up, John. Man, I got, I'm trying to stay calm. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> You're not doing very good. <laughs> so they claim Jesus, but then they walk away from, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. They claim Jesus up front for the salvation, but they walk away from Jesus when it comes time for the persecution. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just going to tell you this. If we love him, we stand firm. If we don't, we run. That shows the relationship. Sure does. All right. So uh, willful, willfully sinning is Hebrews 10, 26, and it literally refers to consciously and deliberately rejecting Jesus Christ. It's not a sin of ignorance or weakness. It's a deliberate turning of one's back on the truth with full knowledge, choosing sin over Christ. Fabulous statement. And John also warned of this willful, continual sin and is a sign of unbelief in 1 John 3, 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. It doesn't mean that you're not a sinner. It means you don't continuously live in sin. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In other words, he cannot continue in that sin without having a uh, conviction of God to stop it because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I mean, it's the job of the Holy Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you cannot continue to live in that sin. <sighs> Running out of time before we run out of ammunition again, John. I know. <laughs> Listen, God will not forgive sin without a sacrifice. And since the apostate has rejected the only sacrifice available to him being Jesus Christ, he is left without any way of forgiveness. And if he's left without any way to obtain that forgiveness, he cannot get into heaven. If you go back to the Old Testament, you can't sacrifice because that's not available. There's nothing there. And Jesus isn't going to die again for anyone. The scriptures clearly say that. And sacrifice once for all, save forever those that believe. Yeah, so let me help you out here. The author of Hebrews issues a stern warning against playing games with God. And I just want to read 2 Peter 1 through 10. 
If you're making a false presentation of faith or a false profession of faith, this is what it says. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Amen. So when we looked at the seeds planted, the first three, they're, they're lost souls. It was only the fourth that was a child of God. And if we look at this, guys, I'm telling you, you cannot play with sin and keep living in it. And you can't say, hey, I'm a child of God's or I have surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and nothing in your life has changed. We see that clearly through scripture. If you become a child of God, everything in your life has changed. And it may not change abruptly, but I will tell you, you will be in the process of changing it every day. There'll be evidence, there'll be fruit. And if there's no fruit, you might wanna look in the mirror again. You might wanna ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And you might wanna surrender to him as your savior, because I would sure hate to see you die and go to hell. Hey guys, I hope this has helped you. And if it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until next week, God bless.